to the dough show everyone my name is johnny p your host and i just got a new fucking microphone and it sounds great let me tell you yeah it's gonna be way easier for a, a big post over here to make me sound halfway decent when it gets to your ear holes so we got ryan uh obviously here in uh, uh maculations alex mackley uh how are you guys we haven't done maculations right? in a while let's yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll see if we can get one brewing today Maculations 2720. Why shower today when you'll just be dirty by tomorrow? <laughs> uh, so today, guys, we are talking about Tracy Ullman and uh, also the Tracy Ullman shorts, the the pre-Simpsons. Now, I'm just going to say this right now, just so everyone knows where I'm at with this episode. A lot of people talk about the shorts like it's the Simpsons, the show. And I say nay to you who talk like that. Because this thing was a thing before they had even intended or had the idea yeah. or thought it was a possibility for them to do the show. It was it was a thing before it was a thing before it was a thing. Yeah, it's like wh- when we covered uh, James L. Brooks, he was at that party and one of the animators uh, like cornered him and was like kind of drunk. He's like, listen, man, you don't know how important this would be for all the animators. The last fucking primetime animated show is fucking the Flintstones. I think we got something a little better than Flintstones here, Jim. So we got to do it, Jim. We fucking got to do it, Jim. And that's like, he was like, oh, okay, I guess if it means that much to you guys, we'll work it out. But before that, it was just like, well, just it's a filler spot. So something, Tracy Allman was a sketch show. She would do the sketches and you can't just like, she didn't want to just end on the sketch, go to commercial and then come back from commercial with a brand new sketch, you little bumpers in between. Uh, All right, all right, hold on, hold on, back it up. I know, I'm just just saying, I'm just saying, (laughs) this is not The Simpsons. This is not canonical. Canon Simpsons already pisses me off enough. There's only one clip from the Ullman show of shorts that is brought up into the Simpsons, and that's on the 138th special. There's quite a few, actually. There's like uh, six or seven or something like that. But yeah, so we're going to talk about Tracy Ullman, learn a a little bit about her life, what she did, because she's extremely successful, and a lot of Simpsons fans don't know it. So we'll cover that, and we'll cover the shorts. And extremely talented. And extremely talented. You hear her talk. She is so fluid the way she she'll start talking about a certain area or a certain experience she had. And while she's saying that, she'll start like naturally forming into these voices and these characters. Oh, this is so and so who lived up the hill for me. And like I would go to the bank and blah, blah, blah would be at the bank taking it. Like she's insanely talented. And a lot went into her becoming the person that she did. So she was born in 1959 in Berkshire, Southeast England. So she's got a little bit of a accent to her. If you've never heard oh, yeah. her voice. Yeah. If it, what, what did Paul Rudd say in that one movie? You sound like you're from London. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, she received a full scholarship to the Italia Conti Academy, a performing arts school at the age of 12. Yeah. Did you hear the story about that? Go ahead. Tell me the story. So she, she was in like a boarding school, right? 
and uh, the headmaster um, like called her into his office, and she thought she was in trouble. Like she didn't know what was going on, and he was like, "If you're a very talented young woman, would you like to go to this special school?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure, that sounds great." And uh, without that, like, dude, no Tracy Allman, no Simpsons. Like, you know, this is real butterfly effect te- territory that we're getting into. Like, if her <laughs> dad didn't die at a young age and her mom was depressed and she would, like, get up on the, the windowsill and do, like, a little show for her mom, like, something that small would mean that there's no yellow cartoon characters in this universe. Yeah. Someone could have sneezed on her. She died of a cold in fucking 72, and then boom, no Simpsons. We're a sneeze away. <laughs> but she did not die. She did not die. No. She did not. She went on and auditioned for many ballets and dances. She performed in Berlin and Liverpool, pretty much all over England. All over. She did a lot of like weird projects, and the reason she got going with dancing was because... Uh, she just didn't want to like deal with what comes with being an actor. She was like in this school of arts and she's like, eh, I don't really want to do all that that comes with acting. So I'll just do dancing. I'm all right at that. And like just fell into it. It's what it's not like she was like, I want to be a dancer when I'm older. Just like, well, I guess I'll do this for a little bit. And then turn into musicals, right? Theater, yeah. yeah theater, theater musicals. She did Grease and Elvis the musical and rocky horror picture show which i was like hell yeah trace really i didn't i didn't see that yeah. that's awesome and uh, oh, go ahead. i was gonna say then she gets into music right yes yeah so the way she got into music is she was already doing some theater stuff she had already kind of been known to do things she was at her hairdresser and the hairdresser's like oh um my cousin he works at this uh record label called stiff I think it was stiff. Yeah, stiff. Right. And uh, she was like, uh, would you go and maybe go do something with them? Or like, you know, because singing, theater, all that shit goes hand in hand. And she was like, she knew the 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 record label. And there was a cool T-shirt that the lady was wearing. And it said, if it ain't stiff, it ain't worth a fuck. And she's like, yeah, I'll go talk to him as long as I can get one of those T-shirts. And uh, that's what started her musical career, which end, ended up bringing her to America. But uh, she said she still has that T-shirt. And she'll wear it out to like the shop to go grocery shopping whenever she's feeling like rebellious. And like people will stop her and be like, that's very crude. I don't like that at all. And she'll be like, I get fucked. (laughs) Seems like a real, uh, I mean, it's kind of fucking stupid to say it, but she seems like a real character, that Tracy. (laughs) A few of them, actually. (laughs) Yeah, a few of them, quite a few of them. Um, I wish I had the album, the album. You didn't mention the album. What was that? It was called You Broke My Heart in 17 Places. Oh, wow. Interesting album album title. But her songs were like kind of over-the-top versions of 60s and 70s pop music. Yeah, because she didn't write any of the music. Yeah, Yeah, she didn't write any of the music. She was not very good at singing. Like, she was like talking to someone on a podcast and she was like, yeah, but you were a singer. You were a performer. You were out there doing it live every night. I could only do it in the studio. I was, I was singing in my hairbrush and lip syncing basically half of the time. It's like, she was like, yeah, I did that. And I fell into the, like she had the song. They don't know was number two in UK 35 in Germany and number eight in the United States for like a week or month, which is like, not, it's not in a 
nothing to turn your nose up at. You know, it's pretty, pretty successful shit. Um, and then she just didn't really uh, like the music. Didn't feel so much. it. Didn't like the vibe. She, she, she tried it. it. She gave it a shot. Gave, gave it the old college try. You know. Gave it the old college try. Actually, so one of the music videos she did for one of her songs, uh, it was what song was it? They don't know. The one I just said was number eight in America. And one of the reasons it found a little bit more success was because there was an appearance from none other than Sir Paul McCartney, and uh, they had worked in the same building and met each other before. He knew that uh, he was upstairs and they were recording downstairs. So he, she goes upstairs, just, hey, Paul, um, would you mind, you know, being in my music video for a second? He's like, oh, don't know about that. Eh? And she's like, well, I have this car downstairs that someone needs to drive. And she knew it was a car he really wanted to drive. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll do it. And it's just a clip of him driving the car. That was it. Like, and like, you know, you see that and you're like, oh, my God, do you see Paul McCartney in this music? Oh, what music video? You got to check it. Yeah, shit like that. Like it blew up a little bit because of that um but yeah quite quite a fucking life already and this isn't even like we're still in the 80s yeah not even i mean like early 83, 80s at, 83 at best, is yeah. when her album came out so yeah but she ran it for a while she ran it for a while and then she got sick of it right she went to television as well she did go to television as well that's right she went to what BBC on a sketch comedy show. Yeah, she had some stuff on BBC. One thing I learned in the research for doing this was uh, a lot of the old, uh, I want to say, seventy shows on TV that you think of, like Three's Company, uh, Sanford and Son. Those were actually all like semi copped off of English shows. Obviously, they gave it like a different twist. I think because I don't think the English version of Sanford and Sons was. Sanford and Sons that we know today. Yeah, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was kind of a give and take between uh, UK and American uh, television at that time. But uh, she went to do television. One thing that she realized was, uh, if you're in England, not really too many great roles for women. It's more like a big titty girl running around while the Benny Hill song plays. Or like you're the just the base of like a bunch of sexual jokes. And uh, she wasn't really feeling that. That wasn't uh, that wasn't what Tracy was down with. She was down with the art of it. She wanted to be just like the dudes, just as funny. Um, and that is one thing that she did find in America. And w the one thing that really kicked off her TV thing, or that she had found great success in, was when she did the Royal Court Theater. And it was like, it's how can I explain it? It's like. From what I can understand, it's like there was it's like there was a play, right? But it wasn't fully scripted, and a lot of it was improv, so it can change night to night. Because she's like, I can't, I can't do theater anymore. Like, I get bored with it. It's the same eight shows a week. Like, you know, it's it gets to be too much. So she liked this because she could improvise uh, improvise a little bit, and she did find great success from that. This is this before we go too far away from this point. The whole getting tired with being in a performance type thing. There's actually a British play about that called Noises Off. And uh, first act is the troupe getting together and everyone's all like, oh, we love each other. This is such a good little family. The second act, the stage is flipped around and you're looking at them backstage and they're all getting into like fight and, and they're all getting into like shit with each other backstage. And then like the third scene is them all like the final one run, like them trying to like keep it together and them just like 
fighting on stage in front of the audience about how much they hate each other and shit. And it's just, again, something that happens so frequently in theater troops that there is actually a play written about it. That's, that's a meta play right there. Yeah, it's super meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, what is the fourth wall? Yeah. Uh, but before we get to when she came to America and the Tracy Ullman show, um, let's talk about her husband. Her husband was, uh, what's his, Al, uh, no, I wish don't know his don't know her husband's name off it was alan something but uh he was he worked in show business and he was in america and he uh they had worked together on something in london or someplace near london and she did not like him at first she did not like alan at first she thought he was very rude the way he spoke to people on set and so when they were taking the train back from wherever it was to london she saw him and she's like, no, she told him. She's like, I don't want to travel with you in the same, you know, train car or whatever, because I think you're rude. And I didn't like the way you spoke to people on set. And he said, ah, fuck off. I'll buy you breakfast. And then with that like hour and 10 minute train ride, she completely fell in love with him. And he unfortunately died in like 2003. And it was I really think 2013. hard for him. Was it 2013? 2013. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was a three in there somewhere. But yeah, that was really tough on her. She went through a really tough grieving process, still talks very, very highly of her husband today. It's uh, the reason that she ended up moving back from America. But yeah, she came to America and it was easier for her because her husband was already established here. He had uh, the house that he owned was the house that Steven Spielberg owned before and he wrote Jaws in that house. So that's a little, a little, a little segue bumper into when she gets to Los Angeles. And the reason that she went there, like you mentioned, is because her husband kind of was established and he was trying to persuade her, hey, you want to be a movie star? I live in Hollywood. Hello. Come out here and we'll get you a movie. But she ended up uh, landing in her television show, I Love New York, which, oddly enough, was about a wacky British woman living in New York. Ha ha ha. But uh, she was not a fan of it. Like you once again mentioned, she had got stuck into a role and she didn't like doing just one role. Yeah, she, she that's I mean, Tracy Allman wanted to be doing what she wanted to be doing. She didn't want to be an actress on some scripted show where some people are writing lines for her and she comes out and does her lines. That's not how she wanted to live her life. And she said no to a lot of opportunities throughout her life, early life uh, in America during the Tracy Ullman days, like, and even after she said no to a lot of things that were just like, yeah, it's not really something that is calling to me or something that I think I would want to do. Which as, as, I, her uh, her for. as her t-shirt, as her t-shirt implied, she's a, she's a rebellion, uh, badass. Yeah. Well, she wears the t-shirt when she wants <laughs> to feel rebellious. She's like fucking 58 or 60 now. So I'm sure she's not she's as rebellious as something. She. 60 something well the last one of the things i listened to when doing research she was 58 so 62 62 going on 13 because that's really how it seems man you listen to her talk and you're like there is something about this lady man like she just seems like the coolest person like if you would talk to her and you would just immediately be like huh this this lady's something else she's pretty cool uh now i have a question for you have you watched any of the tracy allman show itself I have not. I wish I 
could, but it's a little hard it's to hard, find. Yeah, that's why I asked. I was looking for it too. It's kind of hard they, to find. So they had a lot of music on the Tracy Ullman show. And uh, so uh, uh, Alex, guess who wrote the theme song and would just hang out on set and come see all the shows for the Tracy Ullman show? Um, give me, give me one clue. George Clinton. That's your clue. The, the, yes, the name, the name of the person was the clue. <laughs> but yeah, he wrote the theme song and uh, would just like hang out and do whatever. I don't know, like smoke crack. Dude, the, George Clinton thinks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, her life is just like strewn. Strewn is that a word? With things like that like little tiny things you hear and you're like oh get the fuck out of here really that's awesome like she lived she moved to fucking america and lived in steven spielberg's old house like how is that not fucking cool right that's also her husband was um older than her and he was around during like the uh like the 70s like robin williams like cocaine 70s and he was the house that had all the parties, like with all the people that are known for doing all of those things. You know what I'm saying? The druggers. Actually, at their uh, at at Tracy and Alan's wedding, uh, the best man got up and said, "You know, Tracy got him to stop drinking, stop doing drugs, and and stop womanizing. She basically ruined his life." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She like said that story and just laughed like to herself. I was like, see, that's the kind of that's the kind of motherfucker I'd be hanging out with. Like she just seemed like she seems like a real one. Like when she's talking to people, she like uses your name while she's talking to you. Like, yeah, Ryan, isn't that great? Yeah. And you're just like, Yeah, it is great, Tracy. It is great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh one of the shows I listened to her on, it was an interesting concept. As they interview, they talk about you have six songs you can bring with you and then i think it's like a person and luxury item uh and like a desert island and her song selection was all over the place it's funny one of the songs she picked was one of her songs but it wasn't her version it was the original version that she based it off of and i, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna cover a song you obviously like it a lot yeah 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 um generally you don't cover things you don't take the time to learn things you hate <laughs> So, yeah, so back to the Tracy Ullman show. A lot of people ask her, like, so why did you choose to name the show after yourself? She's like, I've been doing this show since I was six years old. Originally, it was the, I think her sister's name is Patty. So it was the Patty Ullman show. And then she was a spinoff of her sister's show that they would just do in their mom's bedroom for fun. Uh, so it's funny that. Tracy Allman show is a spinoff of her sister's show. And the Simpsons is basically a spinoff of her show. A lot of spins going on here. It makes sense with James L. Brooks. He had the most spinoffable show of all time. I think Mary Tyler Moore. I think they had like nine spinoffs. Yeah. He, he was the first one to do it and everyone else wanted in on it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when someone opens up the first pizza shop and it gets busy and then someone opens up another pizza shop and then all of a sudden there's 10 pizza shops and, None of them are busy anymore because they're all it's all spread out. <laughs> well, why isn't this working? It worked for him. So you mean like when people do podcasts based on The Simpsons and then there's like 45 different podcasts based on The Simpsons? Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so long, everyone. That's the episode. Uh, so basically, <laughs> so she would always say like, you know, 
she's like, what else would I call it? Like, you know, this is my show. This is like a variety show that I do. She's, there's no question what you would name it. So when she met with uh, James L. Brooks, she talked with him. He liked her. He liked what she did and wanted to do a show with her, but she was pregnant at the time. So he's like, hey, have your baby. And then while you're having your baby or while you're taking care of all that, go to the uh, the Museum of Broadcasting in New York and just watch American shows. Watch what females were doing in America. Just go like like James L. Brooks always does. Go do your fucking research. Go research what you're doing. So when you start, you're already ahead of the game. And she did that. It turned out pretty well for her, it looks like. She did. But you forgot to mention that she hired James L. Brooks because she was very unhappy with her previous show in the direction that the writer and Beats was taking. So she hired a producer, James L. Brooks, and he felt that the sketch show would be would best suit her. And he was quoted saying, why would you do something with Tracy playing a single character on TV when her talent requires variety? You can't categorize Tracy, so it's silly to come up with a show that would attempt to. Yeah, so that was, I mean, it's not necessarily that she hired him. It's that she was on that show, what was it called? Uh, the I Love New York. Yes. So she was on that show. She was unhappy with being on that show. So listen, one doesn't hire James L. Brooks, okay? One is lucky to talk to James L. Brooks. But no, she she got a meeting with him and he liked what she was doing. So he worked with her to make her own show. And that's what I was saying. He met with her. She said, hey, you're pregnant right now. Have your baby. Get your affairs in order. Once you're done, I'll work with you on doing something. Go do your research while you're out. And you know what? She speaks very, everyone speaks highly of James L. Brooks, but she said that he was like a protector for what she wanted to do. And the network would come in and be like, oh, I don't know, Tracy, you know, this is a little blah, blah, blah. Or maybe if you could do blah, blah, blah. Or I don't think you should. He would always just be like, hey, let her do her thing. She has to be able to do her thing. And she never had to deal with the network because of James L. Brooks. And Brooks carries that through in the Simpsons universe as well. And he carries that He's through with wall, every person he works with. He worked with a, a, a younger writer to make the show Edge of 17 or the movie Edge of 17. Fantastic movie. But there was a, a same same story there. People go, oh, I don't know about this. Well, hey, let her do what she's going to do. And it's fucking James L. Brooks. What are you going to say? Well, I don't know, James. Are you sure you know what you're talking about, James? Yes, I, I think I might know, know a little better than you, James. I've been in this business for at least six months now. And this leads to um, her debut show, like you were saying, the, the Tracy Allman show. Debuted fifth uh, of April, nineteen eighty-seven. <laughs> That's kind of how she talks, isn't it? And did you know at at the same time um, in America, um, Married with Children was be being debuted as well? Yes, uh, totally different ideas, like. Married with Children, straight up family situational comedy. Tracy Ullman show, crazy, wacky, fucking over the top variety show. She would yeah. dress up like she would base characters off. She'd be like, I would think about their teeth and I'd start with their teeth and then a wig and then 
personality and all that stuff. The way that she like mocked people and created characters on her show was something else. But with that being said, I think this would be a good time to take a break and then we'll come back. If you can hear my grinder start tinkling and linkling. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the shorts. When, when and how, well, I think we should start with when and how Matt Groening got introduced to the situation and what the story from Tracy Ullman's side is. Uh, because we did cover that with James L. Brooks, but they tell two different stories. We'll see who's uh, correct coming up next on The Doe Show. Welcome back to the Doe Show, everyone. And as promised, we will see who printed the truth and who just printed the legend. Ding, ding, ding. Round one. So the Tracy Ullman side of it was, you know, met, talked with James L. Brooks, some of the other people that worked on the show, and they decided that they wanted little bumpers between the commercial breaks, something to go out on, something to come in on. So they're like, okay, let's look and see what options we have. And uh, they had known about Matt Groening. And they had read his Life is Hell uh, comics. Because he was not like big time. He was very underground, very alternative like artist. And uh, so they liked him. And they had him come in to talk about it. And from what Tracy says, she remembers seeing the first images of The Simpsons. And she remembers specifically seeing Marge with her big blue beehive. And uh, that's, I mean, they, they went with it. They went with the shorts. And uh, that was the story from Tracy's side. She also says that when they were figuring out who was going to do the voices of The Simpsons, she couldn't do it because she was already writing and doing all the characters. She was the main person of the show. She couldn't also go and be in the studio and and do the voices for these people. So she asked Julie Kavner, will you do the voice for Marge? And, uh, you know, Dan for Homer and Nancy Cartwright for Bart. Uh, they actually, I think they had to find Nancy Cartwright to do the voice because she wasn't on the Allman show. And I believe that's the same story with Yardley Smith. Not positive, but I know Julie Kavner and Dan Castellaneta were both on the show. Um, so yeah, so he he came in and he showed him, and then they just went from there, and that was the uh, story on Tracy Allman's side. Ding ding ding! Round two. The perspective from Matt's side was he got asked to come in and essentially give his life's work away, right? Like we've learned, and he was like, "Hey, hold on, I know what's happening here," and decided to quickly. Draw up the Simpsons I'm, I'm character. Giving, I'm giving Ryan a look right now because I feel like the wording you're giving is a little, uh, a little. Hey, I said round two, bro. We're boxing here. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't. He was. He was asked to come in and give away his life's work. They're not like, hey, Matt, come in here. We're taking everything you have. We're putting it on the well, show. No, but what Ryan means is he would actually be selling the rights to his uh, comic strip, uh, Life and Hell, then. And that's literally his life's work. And he was like, mm, never mind. I feel shady with this. I'm going to come up with something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree with the way it went because that's how it went. It was just like the way you were wording it was very like Fox News about it. I know. I'm trying to box you here, man. We're having a fight. Anyway, 
So that went down. He quickly drew up the Simpsons, as we know, is basically loosely based off his own family. And then it proceeded to become what it became in the Tracy Almonds. Yes, yes. That was the difference in the story. Tracy did not talk about how originally, like from her side of the story, there was no inclination of what Matt was coming in to bring. It's not like they were like, oh, let's get Matt Groening and get his life as hell thing. I think they were more just talking to him about working with him, like as a person, as an animator, as an artist. But as an animator and as an artist, you need to protect your work. Yes. So wait, maybe that's a way that's an odd angle to think about. So maybe like they never necessarily asked him for life as hell. Uh, but he like got there and he's like, oh, shit, I can't just give him that. I have to give like what if yeah. it was just on his end? What if it was just bad planning? What if he like didn't have anything ready and he was like scared? He's like, well, I'm not going to show him life as hell because I don't want to give that up. It's like, fuck, I like procrastinated too long. And he's drawn it in the waiting room. Like, come on, come on, come on. He's grandpa's. <laughs> Well, yeah, he just wasn't think. Yeah, he didn't even think about that. Obviously, until he got into the fucking waiting room and was like, "Wait a minute! If yeah. I give them this, I'm giving it to them. It's theirs. I don't want to give it to them." Well, I don't know. Maybe oh, God, I'm like, what am I going to give them? Like, I'm sure there was a way they could have worked it out to where, like, "Oh, hey, we're going to use these characters, but we're not. You're you're not signing over the rights to your, uh, what's the thing they call it now? Uh, something, uh, IP." intellectual property you're not signing yeah. away your intellectual property we're just going to use it for this but maybe he just had, he was like well i don't want to even have that conversation let me drop something new he yeah. also didn't know brooks probably that well at the time no he didn't and actually now that you said brooks go ahead and ding ding we'll go round three ding ding round three james l brooks's side to it is that they were looking for someone to uh like do the 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 animated shorts as bumpers for the commercials and his story is that he got a present from someone when he was working on terms of endearment as one of his movies and it was a framed thing i think i think it was framed maybe it wasn't i don't know but it was a certain strip from uh graining's comic and it was like uh so, so many ways to die in Los Angeles. And like, you know, he just thought it was great, super funny. He says that's why he had Matt Groening come and do this. Almond's side of it seems like it was a little more everyone was like, Oh, how about this guy? I've seen this before. Yeah, he sounds good. And it was more of a group decision. And uh And Matt was Matt's side was just uh, I'm an artist. Cool, yeah. You wanna hire me? I'm down. I need money. <laughs> isn't that the dream being an artist and someone calls you and be like hey i would like to give you some money <laughs> and like contractual long-term monies oh <laughs> shit no i mean at the at the time there was uh, no i don't know how to take this i'm gonna put up my dukes though <laughs> i mean same same way like uh same way like uh tracy ullman could have done uh the voice of marge but she was just too busy she wasn't thinking that like, oh, this short is going to end up going for 30 something seasons. You know that the, the, the Simpsons are owned or well, they were owned by Fox. They had the, the Fox had the rights to the Simpsons till 20, like 87 or some shit like that. And like, you know, Disney, uh, Disney bought them. So I wonder, did they buy the whole thing? Like Disney has the rights to the Simpsons till uh are 82? we going round four with Disney? I don't think we can do round four. Disney's with Disney. story of the Simpsons <laughs> shorts. Before we, before we go into round four, uh, we're going to take the uh, 
third round stretch uh, at the end here. Um, I do find it interesting that both the Simpsons and um, then King of the Hill were founded on very short, very unlike orthodox pitches. Because yes. we have the Simpsons being literally drawn up in the waiting room, being thrown into that, being made up on the spot. And then we have uh, Mike Judge when he was pinching, pitching uh, King of the Hill. He went in without anything, but just played the character of Hank Hill pitching the town of Arland and why they should come to Arland. And they're That's like, fucking beautiful. We love this guy. We, we want to see him. We, we need to know what he's about, this Hank guy. So that's it's funny that you bring that up because um, watching the Ullman shorts uh, and like hearing other people talk about other people talk about them like they're judging an episode of The Simpsons. I'm looking at it. It's giving me super heavy Mike Judge, Beavis and Butthead kind of vibes, like really rough animation, but very like uh, charactery. Like when they say their ease, their fucking teeth go back behind their neck and like their expressions are really wild and crazy. It reminds me of early Mike judge work. Bit of a sidebar here, but totally related this weekend. We were watching the movie office space. Remember that movie? Yes. So that movie was based off of, and once I saw this on screen, I immediately looked it up. Uh, well, not immediately, but whatever I looked it up. It was based off of the Mike judge shorts, Milton, and you know Milton, the guy who made Stapler, and uh, I was told I could listen from a reasonable volume from nine to eleven. They keep moving my desk. They move my desk again. I swear I'm gonna burn this place down. Yeah. So I like after that scene where he's like, "They moved my desk four times this year." They told me I would not be moved anymore if they move me again. He just like mumbles to him, like, "Let's burn this fucking place down." <laughs> Click the short on YouTube, and it's the first Milton short I watch, and it's literally that exact thing with stapler they had they keep taking my stapler and then the line like verbatim if they move my desk one more time i'm gonna burn this place to the ground and like that crude animation style where it's just him sitting at a desk and the mouth is moving but it doesn't totally match up but it's a good enough kind of thing uh it's fantastic if you haven't seen those milton shorts i suggest go checking it out on youtube because if you like mike judge and old animation and like the birth of animation it's just wonderful to see that crude animation we're speaking of, at least for the shorts in The Simpsons, was animi- animated by Klasky Cuspo. You remember those? That animation company? I don't, but they uh, they did a they did a little ode to him in one of the shorts. They've done stuff like All Real Monsters. Get the fuck we're... out of here! Really? Yes. yes. Wow. I did not know this. I did not I know love that. All Real Monsters. Uh, yeah, that was a great show. Probably one of my favorite from the Nickelodeon block. I did a bunch one of, of my favorites. Yeah, good. List them off. So yeah, they made All Real Monsters. They also made Rugrats, Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, as told by Ginger. As told by Ginger, that was one of my guilty pleasures growing up. I would watch like a good 10 minutes of an episode and be like, I shouldn't be watching this. So pretty much they animated a lot of Nickelodeon for us as children. Yeah, and now looking at it, it makes so much sense because you think about the way that those cartoons look, they they all had similarities. Okay, I would like to say as someone from the Midwest that never traveled to California, my two big exposures to the California lifestyle, maybe people might go to three... Would one be fucking Rocket Power? Then two was the OC uh, 
drama show and my sister watched the shit out of that in high school so i watched that and i was like there's no way this is how california is and that's like 70 percent of the population is made up from those two show demographics and they're pretty accurate <laughs> yeah i mean dude rocket power was the biggest one growing up going to the skate park and like these motherfuckers had a 25 foot vert ramp directly outside their bedroom window what the fuck they lived in a cul-de-sac what chubies man chubies they got sand in the potato salad (laughs) anyway enough quote enough quotes from the from their childhood but isn't that crazy Flip-flops are not for snow, bro. All right, right, I'm done. That is fucking crazy. Uh, And then, you know, films uh, from that same company make sense. Rugrats movies, Wild Thornberry movie, um, which, I mean, come on. Like, Rugrats is is classic. And Wild Thornberry's is, like, I would say, like, indie classic. You know? It wasn't as big as Rugrats, but, man, if you knew it, you fucking loved it. And they did The Simpsons for how? Three seasons. Three seasons. The first three seasons. Okay. All right. So, you know, the third season kind of started getting it together a little bit. But, you know, people say the best. If you were to take a vote of all Simpsons fans, be like, what are the best seasons? It's usually four, five, six, five, six, seven, something like that. So, but they're crucial. You know, they built the foundation. You know, I would like to talk about the foundation for a second because I don't think we're going to get another opportunity. So the Klatsky Cuspo Incorporated got its start in 82. And it was founded, like most things, in a random bedroom in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what year was it founded? 82? Ah, so you know, you know probably how that was founded in a bedroom in no, Hollywood. It was, it was like, a married couple living together. Oh, yeah, oh, oh okay. I was gonna, well, you know, could married couples do couples do that shit too? Like, oh, we should start a fucking animation company, dude. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have I had to tell you I'm not your dude? I'm your babe. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Sorry, babe, but the animation company, dude. Nobody's doing that <sighs> shit, dude. Maybe a show about babies. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. It 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 went from a one bedroom apartment to the studio of six buildings. So they grew. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Apparently, Arlene Arlene <laughs> Klasky and Gabor Cuspo. It's uh, a combination of their that, two names, so, last names. So what? He's a uh, well, obviously, yeah. But like, where's uh, where's homeboy from? Uh, does it not say where Gabor is from? A uh, Hungarian American. Ah, yeah. yes. So that makes sense there. And then uh, Arlene Klasky is a. Uh, not Hungarian? Was that a question? Hungarian by association. <laughs> no, no, she's 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 American. Yeah, yeah. So they got together and decided to make an animation company, and uh, that's crazy. I mean, from the '90s to 2000s, that's when those shows came out, and they were formative. You know, they were formative. How many times we do the wiggity wiggity? I mean, come on now. <laughs> that's part of my handshake, right? Uh, 
But if you look at like uh, the shows that they did, so they did The Simpsons and that was their first thing. It looks like at least notable first thing. And creators just as Matt Groening. But then Rugrats is Arlene and Gabor and Paul Germain or Germain. I don't know. Uh, Duckman, they just animated that. <clears throat> All Real Monsters was Gabor and uh, man Peter Gaffney. And then they did a Santo Bugio, which I've never heard of before, but it was just the couple that had created that. I mean, so they're not only having this animation studio, but they're pushing out all these wild thornberries, Arlene, Gabor, uh, and then three other people, one of them being David Silverman. And I guarantee that that connects to a lot of, I know that name. They were, they were kicking ass in Nickelodeon, but as soon as Nickelodeon shut down, they kind of went dormant. Yeah, nothing Dude, for so a while. They created Rocket Power. Like, I would have thought it would have been like sports people who created that. They live in Los Angeles, California. I guess. I guess that Rocket makes Power sense. is all of Southern California mixed into one city that doesn't exist. Well, that's what I mean. Is it though? Because they do yes, all sports. It is. They. I yeah. live here, and I, I can tell you, yes, it is. It's like a hodgepodge of all of the beaches like, the put into one. Between the beach city ah, and then, okay. like, the beach burbs and then the uh, tourists. But then these damn kids were good at everything. They were good at snowboarding. They were good at mountain boarding. Yeah, they were dude, good at skateboarding so and inline ski, and biking. There's, there's so many ski and mountain things around here. That's exactly the point. <laughs> there's a lot to do out here. You can't. You know, you can't go down a mountain in Illinois. You can't skateboard whenever you want because it's raining. You can't surf at all because there's no ocean. Yeah. They're able to do these things. You go just outside of Illinois, you can snowboard, though. They got indoor skate parks. But no, I know what you're saying. Um, Little tidbit. The pier yeah. and the rocket power. I know we keep talking about rocket power, but the pier is based off of Santa Monica Pier. Uh, that's where I, I've seen that pier, right? That's yeah, the one pier I saw when I was in California. Took you there. That anyway, was a beautiful pier. Back to the Tracy Allman. I mean, actually, real quick before we leave this, uh, looking at other projects that they did, obviously Tracy Tracy Allman show animated sequences, Twenty One Jump Street main title, uh, the trailer for Eddie Murphy Raw, which is like legendary comedy. Uh, worked with Elvira. The intro um, to the what? What did you say? Intro to what? Uh, Twenty One Drum Street. So I guess uh -huh. they did a lot of uh, intros. So like like main title sequences. So like Quantum Leap, uh, Halloween Five, Sesame Street Five Shorts, uh, In Living Color. I mean, man, this is this is big. This is for for just. Two people that decided to get married. Mad TV? Spy vs. They did Spy vs. Spy for Mad TV. I love Spy vs. Spy. That's uh, the Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald straight to video series. The ones you would get in the fucking uh, kids with the kids toy. Yeah, sorry. I didn't. I mean, I could keep going with all this. I just thought it was really uh and anyway, yeah, and before we hop on the show, then back to the 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 shorts and stuff. Uh, 
So I checked out David Silverman. He's on like he's got like two dozen uh, plus credits of Simpsons episodes that he's directed, including uh, Bart gets an F. Bart versus oh, okay. Thanksgiving. That's why it's from the episodes we fucking covered already. Bart the genius. Bart the general. Um, but then if you go to his the other things, he's done the critic. Um, Makes sense. Rugrats, Family Guy, House of Lies, uh, Party Legends, Super Slackers, Duncanville, featured films, um, RoboCop 3, The Road to El Dorado, oh, wow. Monsters, Inc., Ice Age. Really? Uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, Robots, The Simpsons Movie, Such Good People Love, The Edge of Seventeen and Extinction. Oh, The Edge of Seventeen? Yeah. So cool. So he like uh, he really he really made his way around his uh, personal network, working with the animation company and James L. Brooks on his movies. That's director, writer, producer, storyboard, artist, animator and other credits for all of these in different ways. With a few executive titles on there for producing, too. Cool. Well, well done, David Silverman. So David Silverman has gotten around in the animation game. Any uh, relation to Sarah Silverman? Because that'd be crazy. Um, it, I know Silverman's probably a pretty common last name, but you know. Yeah. And it does not mention on here if he is or is not. All right. So with that all being said. That's some real good background we just did there, boys. That was uh, just for the listener. That was not planned. Uh, and that was a good little background run we just did there. You know, people aren't talking about these issues, guys. You go and fucking I dare you go on fucking any podcast listening site and look up Tracy Ullman and look up Class B Cuspo, whatever the fuck you call that shit. Nobody's talking about this, boys. Well, put it in the show notes. This is going to be a big one. We're going to get a lot of Class B Cuspo fans. <laughs> hey, we should all be Class B Cuspo fans. Honestly, how can you not? They fucking melded our childhood. It's one of those things. I didn't know that I was a fan of them until I figured out what they've done. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, I like those guys because I like those things. <laughs> I've seen a lot of those, most of them, a few times. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, talk about this is the, the classy Class B Cuspo. That's gonna be the. That's gonna be the like you know uh, how. Old folk now have me TV and they're watching Andy Griffith and uh, old like, you know, Westerns and shit like that. That's going to be the shit that is played on a free channel for like old people when we're in our 80s. It's going to be old. It's going to be lit. Um, Excuse me. Excuse me, Mr. Mr. Mackley. It's time for you to settle down now. Would you like me to turn Uh, on Rugrats or Aria Monsters? I'm in my 20s. I'm not settling now. Here's here's your pre-roll, Mr. Mackley. Here's it. Hey, you can sit down and watch Rugrats, or you want to sit down and watch All Real Monsters, huh? Hmm? Maybe Rocket Power, huh? Monsters? Okay, we'll put on the monsters. Here's your joint. Now here, take this safety lighter that doesn't have any flame on it, and you go ahead and light that bad boy up. God, God damn it. Yeah, that's the problem with old people. They just keep screaming and pissing themselves. I'm going to assume that I have dementia at that point. All right. Well, speaking of dementia, I forgot what we're talking about. Yeah, I forgot what we're talking about. Let's uh, take a little breaky poo and then we'll come back and we'll uh, start with the shorts. Sound good, boys? Sorry, my dementia's kicking in. Ah! God damn it. I forgot to put shorts on. 